0: You're listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. All right. Thanks, everyone, and welcome to our final podcast that we'll be recording in 2020, although you may well be hearing it in 2021. Peggy O'Kane, good to have you with us again. Let me start with a question. I know we're all ready to put 2020 behind us, but I'd be curious to hear what you've taken away from this year. Uh, both the good and the bad, uh, and it could be limited to healthcare, or it could be more broadly.
1: We've learned a lot. Unfortunately, it's kind of, we've learned a number of lessons the hard way. So I would start with, we've learned about the importance of public health and about the connections between public health and the private sector, which remain to be forged in the future. And I hope we feel very motivated to do that uh, because we have kind of a ramshackle public health system uh and uh you know it's very spotty from state to state as we roll out the vaccine i think we're going to see you know success in some states not success in other states and um you know kind of the the absence of a strong public health sector is number one in my mind Uh, and what do you think
0: what do you think we can do on that front? What, what, well, I'm sure money I, is a part of it, certainly.
1: Money is a big part of it. And I think, you know, there could be standards, there's an accreditation program for public health, but it worked around the realities that there was so, such uneven funding and so forth, that I'm not sure that that's the answer. Um, so I think we need to kind of look at what happened here and how it might have been prevented. I mean, certainly, you know, if you Define public health as broadly as kind of stockpiling uh, necessary PPE and stuff like that. That's pretty obvious, and yeah. I hope. Although you know we we were in a you know we were in a position to understand we had gone through Ebola, and we had had a success with that, and that may have gone to our collective heads or something, or it couldn't happen here. Kind of a way of thinking. But the kind of short-term thinking that uh, is so prevalent in this country at the moment, um, I think is something we really have to kind of step back from and and re-examine. These are deep uh, changes and I'm not at all certain that they'll happen, Frank. So, um, but, you know, I think there's a lot to be gleaned. Yeah. Uh, Another big point is about how inequities in, uh, in society really play out in healthcare and in health. So uh, we've watched you know, some sectors of employment have to put themselves at extraordinary risk. Uh, we've learned, and then, including healthcare workers, which is kind of unbelievable. Uh, we've learned that you know, essential workers, the lowest paid in our society and the people with the least respect Put themselves at the greatest risk, often had no choice about it. People have died because um, they had to go to work, either because they needed the money or because their employer required it. So there's a big agenda there. It's bigger than healthcare, but um, for healthcare itself, I think there have been disparities in outcomes. Uh, You know, I remember an article in the New York Times about public hospitals being filled and people being transferred from private hospitals into the full public hospitals, really, that's not right. And um, so healthcare has its own work to do. Um, The underlying disparities in health uh, for people of color also contributed to the very poor outcomes. And um, as you know, that's something we're working on. And we, we look forward to working with the new administration and with states which have been on this agenda, I think, for Quite a while for months now, but much more than ever, uh, really trying to get serious about correcting these disparities and health outcomes. So, so there's that. Well, I think we've learned that uh, accountability is not something to be taken for granted, and that um, we have very unclear expectations of the players in, uh, in uh, our system, if you want to call it a system. Um, you know, from the federal government kind of stepping back and trying to get the states to take the responsibility uh, to really uh, unclear responsibilities for the healthcare sector. You know, as hospitals and medical practices were being clobbered economically, um, they were. You know, they could have played their roles more effectively with help and and you know uh, from the from the governments. So there was just kind of a uncoordinated response that I think it flows from the fact that healthcare is not a right in our country, to be honest with you. And, you know, so it's kind of like people dreaming up their own ways of being helpful. Sometimes they were very effective. Sometimes they weren't. Um, You know, we've damaged the infrastructure of primary care in our country, which was already pretty... Uh, shaky. Um, so I don't know, it's not a pretty picture. I hate to, you know, I guess it's good to be the last one of the year, but I, I do want us to learn the lessons that need to be learned.
0: Yeah, it seems that's crucial uh, because to some degree we're, we're probably gonna have another um, version of this type of emergency, hopefully not this depth of an emergency or a right. pandemic. Um, And also I I do think, I would imagine you'd agree, there were some silver linings in terms of what we did in response. We were not prepared. I think everyone would agree with that. Yeah. But we learned some things about um, our response, whether that's um, modalities of care that might've been uh, neglected or underutilized that became essential during the uh, pandemic or, uh, you know, for me, and it's not so much policy as um, as a, a observation on humanity. The way in which the healthcare system and healthcare workers, frontline workers in particular, responded was just inspiring. Um, yeah. To, to...
1: Well, it was inspiring in terms of the workers, and yeah. it was very uninspiring in terms of our willingness to take advantage of their dedication. So I. I, I'm holding a grudge on behalf of healthcare workers. And, you know, my, my uh, sister-in-law is a nurse and she worked on Christmas Day and the day after, and she was, you know, diverted from her normal floor and um, she wasn't in the COVID unit, but the whole hospital is just reeling. And a lot of workers are calling in sick at this point, just because I think they've had it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not right to take advantage of people's sense of duty. And I think we're, this is something we're gonna be dealing with for a long time. We're gonna have people leaving healthcare, leaving their jobs because they just can't take it anymore. And um, who's to blame them? Uh, And, you know, we still have a long time to get through um, all the, the illness that's out there now and still spreading uh, before we get our vaccines. So yeah, I, I guess I'm Debbie Downer today. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot to be down about, uh, certainly. Mm-hmm. And the issue of accountability, both system-wide and personally, uh, mm-hmm. the fact that your actions affect others. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, wearing a mask is about more than just, uh, or even primarily about more than just uh protecting yourself, I think right. is uh, hopefully at least spurred a debate that will make some incremental progress. But uh, yeah, and I that's share. the
1: big lesson. That's the big lesson, Frank, that you just said, that we're all connected, and we depend on each other in ways that we never understood. You know, so I don't know what we're going to do with that, because it goes against a lot of our rhetoric and political beliefs. But um, it's the big mega lesson to me, yeah. in the whole situation.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't need to be partisan. No, it, uh, it's no. it's common sense and it's common yeah. decency. Yeah. So let's close the book on 2020, if possible, and look ahead. Um, not to say, as you just mentioned, that there won't be a lot of challenges related to COVID and, and to other areas. But um, looking ahead, what do you see as NCQA's priorities for 2021 and beyond?
1: Well, I I think it's kind of it's renewing our commitment to accountability through health plan accreditation, through perhaps reinvented uh, medical home program, uh, through our new program for, uh, new, we have a new suite of programs which are just, two of them are in public comment right now related to telehealth. The silver lining that we have seen is that the tech sector, um, all of a sudden people are embracing Technology in the way that they hadn't before, and um, perhaps uh, value-based payment. I'm not sure about that, but because I think being a fee-for-service in a situation like that was really very punishing, Um, people in the delivery system looked at people that had risk-based arrangements and saw that they were actually doing better. So, I since I believe in my bones that we have to have value-based payment since I also believe very strongly that there's tremendous unlocked, you know, t- potential to be unlocked with technology, I think um, it will be very interesting and quite an adventure to try to make sure the technology serves us in the right ways and doesn't harm us.
0: Can you elaborate on that? You talked about telehealth, and um, as you mentioned, folks can yeah. comment on our uh, two new
1: Telehealth yeah.
0: uh, programs that we're rolling out by going yeah. on CQA.org. But beyond even telehealth, what's the role for technology going forward?
1: Well, I mean, I think there's been a lot of discussion about moving healthcare into the home. And, um, you know, people are doing, as you know, we had Dr. John Halamka at our last board meeting talking about the Mayo Clinics Hospital at Home program. And I've been looking at hospital at home. I even had the good fortune to be visiting some hospital at home programs in Scotland and the UK a few years ago. Um, and for the right situation, uh, I think it can be a real positive experience. You know, you know our, we have a tremendous commitment to chronic conditions at NCQA, and I feel very validated about that because good maintenance of people with chronic conditions absolutely improved their chances with covid and will continue to you know it's just it, it's it's one of the things we know how to do in healthcare and let's do it and let's do it better and with technology now on the scene and with wearables and so forth and with the use of ai for more continuous monitoring i think there's a tremendous opportunity to do better with maintenance of people that have chronic conditions. I think we have to be very careful to be learning along the way uh, that how we use these technologies is going to be very important in a way that you know people don't feel like they're wearing Big Brother on their wrist, um, but feel that they're supported in their own efforts to keep themselves as healthy as possible. So that's a kind of another, it's, a, it's an area that requires a lot of, I think, collaboration, accelerated research uh, and deep study and with kind of a, really kind of an honest attitude about like, just because I think something is fabulous doesn't mean it doesn't have potential downsides. Okay. Sure. And um, so I, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing that kind of work being done. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about um, the unit on behavioral uh, economics at the University of Pennsylvania, Kevin Volpe and his work. Um, you remember he spoke at our quality talks a few yes. first quality yeah. talks, and um, they and, and he works with uh, David Ash, Dr. David Ash, also, and they have been studying a lot of the kind of behavioral. Um, it's kind of how human behavior doesn't follow logic in the way that we always thought it did, that um, there are kind of hidden ways in which our behavior is quite predictable but and and quite irrational. So Mm -hmm. I think that they'll be at the forefront and there are others that are doing that kind of research as well. So um, I look forward to that.
0: Great, well, maybe along those lines, Can you talk about what NCQA sees in terms of, um, particularly quality measurement? But I think for the entire healthcare system, the the potential opportunity in going digital, if you will, of, of yeah. moving uh, forward on that front.
1: Right. I you know, in spite of all the money that the United States has spent on uh, going electronic with the High Tech Act and so forth. Um, we continue to have a, an incredibly balkanized and not user-friendly data system for most practitioners. And while you know there are organizations and institutions that are trying to make sense of it, they're each they're each doing it on their own. So, and people also are not necessarily married to the delivery system that they got their last care from. So, it really is important to have. A situation with greater interoperability, and you know we know that the government is very much on that case and planning to move that forward, um, but there are you know, other ways in which having digital data at the point of care can completely transform the paradigm of care and kind of offer to the practitioner at the point of care care considerations and so forth to make sure that this patient is getting the care that's right for him or her at that moment, And where quality measurement becomes something that's kind of part of the exhaust of care is the way somebody put it. So it's kind of, it flows naturally out of the data of the care delivery system. So to me, that is a, it's a grand vision. It requires a lot of collaboration among stakeholder groups who don't typically collaborate. And um, so we're trying to figure out our role in, in bringing about such an infrastructure in uh, at the data level in healthcare. We know we can do digital quality measures, but that's really just kind of a part of a much bigger picture of the digital transformation of care. We've been in conversations uh, with CMS, with some large payers, with some delivery systems. There is a, a slice of the world that's extremely excited about this, and our aim is to work with the people who are in a position to help bring it about Um, to move forward because, you know, the potential is enormous and it's, it's a tragedy that we haven't done it yet. So, yeah.
0: And I I think our listeners and others in the healthcare world will be uh, very interested to hear uh, a lot of about what we're working on and on that front um, and what we think the opportunities are. Um, One other area I know that NCQA is focused on that um, I'd love to hear you elaborate on is is equity and, and social determinants of health you mentioned yeah. earlier.
1: Yeah, uh, so. well, I mean, I think that's the, the bombshell uh, that came out of looking at the data. Um, and as I said, there are many, many reasons, but um, we've known for a long time that the outcomes of care were different uh, for people of color and that there, part of that is the social determinants that they experience, You know, the instability, um, Homelessness at times um, there there are just a lot of reasons why, and you know I I remember when there was a lot of discussion about risk adjusting the measures you know so that uh, in my mind that would hide these differences that need to be dealt with so I'm glad that the conversation has moved on from that um, and that we you know. From everything we're hearing, the new administration is super committed to having more effective ways of closing these, these gaps. And uh, we look forward, to, uh, we've been working on stratification of data. I think there's more to be done on what's actually working. And you know we have some experience uh, with our multicultural healthcare program which seems to be catching on, I think, with many states and and employers are interested as well. So it's kind of like getting into the data and really getting to know who are the people in your plan, who are the people in your practice, what is going on with them, uh, and how are we going to do our best to support them to have their health be as good as it can be.
0: Yeah, I think for those who aren't familiar with our multicultural healthcare program, the fundamental concept is uh, just what you said, Peggy, know your population. Um, it's That is the starting point, I should say. Right. Once you know your population demographically, that allows you to identify these disparities. And our program requires you to demonstrate that you're working to address those disparities. And um, one of the things that's come from Um, I know a lot of the conversations we've had internally and externally at NCQA is how uh, poorly many plans, systems, providers uh, know their population at the demographic level. And there are a lot of reasons. It's not for lack of interest or uh, for lack of trying. Uh, There are privacy concerns. There are behavioral concerns in terms of folks uh, trusting or not trusting the the healthcare system with that kind of data, but it is, I would suggest, pretty shocking how few plans, for example, have a full uh, or near near complete sense of the demographic and ethnic and, and uh, uh, linguistic um, uh, characteristics of their populations. So right. um, that's right. sort of uh, starting from, you know, ground zero there. It's, yeah, you uh, know, I,
1: I mean, I think that Too often, we have the different stakeholder groups operating as if the other ones didn't exist. And um, to me, this is an example of where better linkages and communication between the plan and their payer partners uh, really can be very helpful. So there's a synergy that needs to be created. It's broader than this, but this is one of the areas where I think amazing things can happen. With that synergy between the people that are at the front lines delivering care and the payers. Another program that we have that's exciting, I think, is that we have a grant to look at uh, community care workers. And uh, we're doing that with the University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Shreya Kang- Kangovi. These are people that come out of many minority neighborhoods and so forth and who, you know, who understand and are trusted by the people that they're visiting in the home. So again, that, that kind of shifting of the point of care more into the home and the community can be aided tremendously um, by these community care workers. So um, uh, we're very interested in, in uh, that work and excited about it. So you know these are, these are all pieces of a bigger puzzle that really needs to come together around the person, right? Around, you know, when we talk about population health, I think people think of that as kind of a, it's a faceless crowd, you know? But actually, if you have effective population health, that means you know the people and, and somebody in your in your chain of delivery of care knows that grandmother and knows what's going on and that she's raising her kids, her daughter's kids, you know? Um, so it's, it's that kind of commitment to person-centered, and but that has become such a cliche, but uh, care that I think is so needed. That, that to me, is the big, the big challenge for next year and for the years to come.
0: Thanks, Peggy. And I, I want to put in a plug. Um, we, as you know, Peggy, have been working um, amongst our, our various departments within NCQA to put together a set of policy papers, memos, however you describe it, that lay out our vision for where we can make progress and improve healthcare quality as a whole uh, quality measurement uh, and and it touches on a number of the areas uh, that you've just discussed having done so we'd like to of course we'll share it directly with the Biden transition team but we'd like to uh, share it more broadly just as a starting point for similar discussions externally with um, all of our partners and others in the healthcare system and for folks who want to take a look at those papers, uh, you can find them at ncqa.org/slash quality future. And hopefully you'll take a look and again use that as a springboard for conversations either with NCQA within your own organization or with others uh, as we move forward. So let's see, Peggy, wrapping up and again looking forward. I wonder if there's if you have any uh, proposed. New Year's resolutions you you can suggest for the healthcare world. Uh, it could be for NCQA and where we hope to get and what we hope to do, or just uh, more broadly.
1: Yeah, I guess I think the big theme is this this connection and um, making that real and um, recognizing. You know, I think in my mind, in the last year. I started to think of healthcare as an ecosystem. I think it was because of an article I read and that we all have roles to play and that we need to do that in a way that's thoughtful uh, beyond the boundaries of our own, whatever, our own enterprise. So we look forward to more collaboration in the future and kind of really keeping our eye on the shared goals that we have because there, there's a lot of digging out we're going to have to do here uh, to have a healthcare system that we're proud of, and it's a big job, and nobody can do it alone.
0: Great. Well, I think that note of the need for unity and coming together is a perfect way to end what has been a pretty disunified and um, and oftentimes horrible year. So. Yeah. Uh, let's hope for much better in 2021. Always appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. And uh, always appreciate those of you who download and listen to our podcast. Uh, much more to come uh, in the new year. Happy New Year to everyone. And um, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you. Happy New Year.